Okay, ready? Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Station Break Podcast. I'm your host, Cassidy Quinn, and we are coming to you from KGW-TV in Portland, Oregon. Every Friday, we give you a behind-the-scenes look with somebody in the world of television news. And today, we have our first director on the podcast, Mr. Paul Kenny. How you doing? I'm excited because I don't really know a lot about your job besides when I hear you talk in my ear and be like, right. go. Okay, Cassidy, we're 10 seconds away from you. Right. So I'm genuinely curious. <laughs> And you direct which newscasts? Here at KGW, I direct the 4 o'clock news and the 6 o'clock news. Ah. And the way I describe it, when we do tours or we have students come through or, I, or I'm out and somebody asks me what I do, I'm the guy that sits in the control room that has all the TVs, and I punch all the cameras and put it on the air. Now, that's changed. It used to be me sitting at a switcher punching the cameras myself. Now it's an automated control room, but still I put it all together. But I'm still in the room with all the TVs. When you say punching the cameras, you're just like hitting a button and yeah, that yeah. takes that camera shot? Right, right. Is yeah. that like a, an industry term, punching the cameras? Uh, yeah, do you, do you punch and call, yeah. I like it. Punch and call. How long have you been at KGW? I've been at KGW 22 years. 22 Ooh. years, which is hard for me to believe. But uh, Well, we started recording at 2.22, so I think... Ooh. That's a sign. There's a sign. Two, yeah. Two. It was meant to be 22 yeah, years. 22 years. And where are you from originally? I'm originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Did you ever think, I want to get to Portland? Uh, Portland wasn't even on the radar. Um, I'm a Midwestern kid, you know, grew up around the Great Lakes, um, lived, in, lived in other cities as life took me uh, around, and then ended up coming out here and thought I'd be here for a couple of years. Maybe. <laughs> and then look, here I am, 22 years. So you must at this have... station. Yeah. yeah. Were you ever at any other stations in town? Uh, not in town. Ah. This is the only place, it's the only station I've worked at in town. I mean, once you get to Channel 8. Yeah. That's what everybody says, but a lot of the people yeah. on the podcast have, you know, they yes. shop around and then they get here eventually. Yeah, they then make they get it. Here eventually. I did work at, uh, at other shops at another TV station in Michigan. That's actually where I got started. Uh, I worked there for seven years. Uh, and I also worked um, not television, but still production for about two years in between. Really? Yeah. Still production? What is that? Uh, like, I mean, um, oh, like producing oh, videos for oh, other, okay. producing videos for corporations. My brain went to like still photography. Yeah, still photography. Like that sounds different. Right. Okay. What kind of videos are you making with that? Um, making corporate videos. So <laughs> I, uh, I worked for a shop that... Um, we did videos for Amway, Kellogg's, uh, Upjohn Pharmaceuticals. Basically, when they needed a video produced, they came to us, and we would produce videos for them. Did uh, you get free cereal? <laughs> That's no, where my brain goes. I, I didn't get free cereal. Didn't get free cereal. But, um, yeah. And I did not get free Amway products either. Ah. Interesting place. Or free pharmaceuticals. Or, no, free pharmaceuticals. No, I did not get free pharmaceuticals. Yeah, that, sound, that doesn't sound very legal. Uh, what kind of random non-video related jobs did you have before you got into news? Oh, good question. I have worked construction. Oh. I, uh, I did, you know, the, the plastic cove base I'm looking down at here right now, that stuff. Oh. I worked in Dallas and San Diego uh, working construction, uh, putting that stuff into uh, uh, towers and buildings when, uh, during the 80s. It's part, of the way I, it's part of the way I paid for college. And what is, okay, if you, you obviously can't see this, even if you're watching the video version, but you might also be listening to the audio version of the podcast. 
talking about just the, I guess it's like plastic, rubber along the floor. Yeah. What is the actual purpose of that? It's to keep things from getting nicked up. Oh. And it's to give you a nice clean edge against the carpet because corners are usually not all that perfect. Wow. Yeah. And then what made you get out of construction and all that? It was to help pay for school, so um, I kept going in school. So you always uh, wanted to do news-related things? No. Uh, as a matter ah. of fact, my degree's in um, music. Music? I have a music degree. That's cool. Yeah. I started working in TV while I was still in school. And then uh, graduated, and my boss pulled me into the office, and I was already directing. And he says, uh, you want full-time and benefits? And I was probably the first music major to graduate with full-time and benefits. And, you know, that's my school. And you could have, if you kept going with just music professionally, you could have had the same title, a director, probably. <laughs> You know, I'm in, you know, I'm a classical musician, and I played in a lot of orchestras. I've played, uh, um, I've played since I was 16 in, wow. in orchestras. I've what instrument? Violin. Oh. Yeah. Very classy. There's a little clip of me playing that lives on Facebook. I was, uh, brought my violin in once, and Catherine Cook, reporter here at KJW, um, got the violin out, and she was playing my fiddle, and uh, I played a little bit. Rod Stevens, photographer Rod Stevens. I don't know if you've had him on this podcast. Uh, we have not. We're supposed yeah. to. Yeah. But photographers' schedules are all over the place. So whenever I try to yeah. schedule with him, they're like, just kidding. Yeah. He's, out of, he's out of the office. Well, he got his phone out. And of he, course he did. And he recorded this. You know, so there's a few seconds of me playing. KGW Band. <laughs> yeah. What would the name be? I don't know. There are a lot of musicians here at KGW. There have always been a lot of musicians. Mostly guitar players. Like Steve Anderson, who's watching this. And who oh. Used to work here. Yeah. Mike Wadsworth, producer, also was on the podcast. Right. We were disappointed he didn't bring his guitar with him. Yeah. You could have yeah. brought your violin. Yeah. <laughs> the KGW band. I think we should work on that. When Reggie Aki was here, we were, we were saying we should have a KGW acapella group. Uh, yeah, he could pull that off. Yeah. I could not pull that off. <laughs> we even had a name for it, but I'm not going to say it because then someone's going to steal it and start their own news-related oh, acapella yeah. group. Right. Uh, have you ever been fired from a job? No. Oh. No. Say that like, oh, no. Um, surprise. <laughs> not I'm surprised. You seem surprised. <laughs> no, I've never been fired from a job. Nice. Never been fired from a job. I mean, no. Huh. Interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> we ask everybody on the podcast, okay. and at the beginning of the podcast, most people were saying that they had been fired and had firing stories. Like Drew, I think, was working at a retired priest's home or something, and he fell asleep on the job. He was 15 or 16 and thought he fell asleep for a few seconds. It was longer. Well, I mean, if we're talking teenage him. stories, there yeah. was this... Okay, so... Anything. Anything. All right. Um, I haven't... Well... I got some, a friend of my dad owned a small office building in Ann Arbor, and he wanted some, you know, my dad, I think, was trying to work behind the scenes to get me some money, so I didn't have to keep coming to him, and the, the friend, the, my dad's friend who had an office building uh, wanted somebody to mow the lawn. Of course, I go out there, I'm mowing, I'm edging, I'm trimming, I, I clean up the trees and the shrubs and the bushes, and I turn in a hefty bill after the first week, and the guy called and said, I just wanted somebody to mow my lawn. Oh. <laughs> so... That, that lasted one week. Because you were getting paid hourly? Firing, but, so were yeah, you it like, was hourly. I was, yeah. But, you know, it's not like I sat there and CS'd <laughs> it. I mean, I worked. You were working. Yeah. He needed all the hedges trimmed. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Well, I'm sorry for your, your loss. <laughs> How old were you, did you say? Probably 14. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are the best firings. When you're like too young, they don't even count. They don't matter. Right. So you, throughout your career, have lived in a lot of different places. Right. Do you, how do they compare to Portland? Do you have favorite places that you've lived? Uh, I, I lived in Chicago for seven years in the Chicago area and then in Chicago proper for two. I love Chicago. I know it's, I know it's a tough place right now and there's got a lot of news about, uh, about the violence and stuff there. But the city itself is probably the most welcoming big city that I've ever been to. Um, and it's just a fun city. You know, I was there as a younger person, and it's a fun city to be in when you're a younger person. It just, yeah. It's just there for you. Um, and I am, being from the Midwest, I'm not afraid of cold, and I'm not afraid of wind, and I'm not afraid of big storms. Uh, and actually, one of my favorite things to do in Chicago is when the big storms are rolling through during the summer, um, you go out on the beaches, and you pull your car out, and there's a park, uh, right up near diversity and uh, you pull uh, you pull your car out there on the point and you just sit there and you watch the storms come in and engulf the downtown and you can watch the buildings completely disappear as the storm rolls through and it's buffeting you in your car and then the storm will pass and then the city will come back it's really magical wow yeah. that was the best description you should be on air <laughs> How did you decide when you started working, doing TV stuff when you were in school, how did you decide directing? Like what drew you to directing specifically? Um, I got, it wasn't decided. I didn't decide to do any of this. It's all, it just kind of happened. Um, I was working at, at a station, a great station, uh, Channel 3, WWMT in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And um, I started there doing the really basic stuff, running prompter, the very simple things. They were in. Uh, they were at a point then where they were losing a lot of people really fast, and so after being there just a month or so, the boss pulls me in and says, "We want you to run camera." Okay, I'm running camera. Then he pulls me in a couple months later. He says, "You know, we want you to try TDing. Can you ever sit at a switcher?" And we sat down at the switcher and I punched a few things out. Okay, you're going to be TDing in a in a, in a you know. And it kind of went that way. And within a year, I was directing. Wow. Now, not that I was good. <laughs> Not at all. I really didn't know what I was doing, but it was just because they had so many people leaving so quickly that a lot of opportunities were there, and I was a warm body. So, boom. <laughs> you had the skills just, on the resume. There we go. It worked out. Yeah. It worked out. What kind of skills do you think you need to have if you, obviously the technical side of things, once you learn, but just from the beginning, like I've talked to a couple of producers on the podcast who've said they need to be calm and be able to stay calm when things are hitting the fan and right. uh, just other little... Yes, you need technical. You need to know how the place works. Uh, this is um, a high-functioning factory, and uh, you have to know what, you know, how it, what it is and what it means and what we're producing and, and the deadlines. One thing that's interesting is people come into TV stations. Um, it, it's like a moving train. And people are kind of looking around like, don't you guys talk about what you're doing? Like, no, we all pretty much know what we're doing, and we know when we're supposed to be there, and everyone just kind of shows up at the right time. We don't have to have people saying, okay, get ready, here we go, because everyone knows the news is on at 4. Um, so um, if you are okay in that kind of environment, it's a great place. It's a very active place. Things change in a moment. We all know that. You know that. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> things change in a moment. You have to be okay with that. 
uh, certainly, yes, you have to be calm under pressure um, because things can, go, things can go sideways and news can break and all of a sudden your, your resources are going all over the place and important things are happening. You know, and you have to be able to keep focused and keep a broadcast on the air. But most importantly, you need to keep your eye on getting information to the people at home because that's what we do. That's what it's here. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. You know? So you direct the 4 o'clock and the 6 o'clock, and then is right. that the end of your day? After the That's six? the end of my day. I, I do other stuff before the newscast. Right. I, I produce. I help resource stuff. I work on the archives. I brought my props. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is what when you come in, what's your average day like? Uh, a lot of different things during the front half of my day. I can be doing uh, any great number of things. I can be writing pieces, I can be editing pieces that eventually make it to air. I can help other people put stuff together. I can be working on some um, uh, corporate projects. I can be working on KGW projects. I can be working on stuff like right now, I'm putting together our 4th of July broadcast. Oh. So I'm working out all the technical details and making sure everything's in place with the t with everybody here, with the team here, uh, and I'm going to be the one actually in the booth putting that on the air on Monday. Uh, so that's kind of the thing that I do when I'm not directing a newscast today, putting Does, that stuff together. If there's fireworks involved, like are there different things you have to do with cameras and everything because you're shooting a fireworks show? Are there multiple <laughs> cameras and... We do send down multiple cameras to redo the Fort Vancouver fireworks. We've done it for many, many years. And yeah, we send multiple cameras down there and they have to be in their proper places so they have decent views of the, uh, of the fireworks. They can't be too close. <laughs> <laughs> but right. there's a lot of technical coordination because they, they put on a great show down there. And we have to make sure that we get their sound because the fireworks are synced to the audio and to all the songs. Mm. So we have to make sure that we are synced as well. So that what you hear at home is time to the fireworks that you see on TV. Wow. Yeah. Well, as long as what you see on TV is better than all the horrible fireworks pictures people take on their phones, <laughs> then, then I think you're good. And if the music is synced correctly. That is always the worst. I mean, that's, I, that's I, I do it too. Years, yeah. I, I do it too. It's like, oh, every year you try to post a picture of fireworks to Instagram. It never looks good. Yeah, it looks like a little blip. Yeah, or it's just a blur. Just right. like, oh. I can assume right. that's a firework in the dark sky. Yeah. Uh, so what is it like when you're preparing for each newscast? Well, there, you know, there are 65 people who work in the news. I, I think 65 people. Check with the boss on that one. I have no um, idea. But there are a lot of producers and a lot of managers and a lot of reporters and, and the anchors and the editors and a lot of people that you don't see. And we're all working on our parts of the newscast. And it's like a hive. Everybody's out there working on it together. We all have our part, um, and I just work the technical and make sure that the booth is, you know, we're able to do the show in the booth. So, you know, what, what is it like being out in the newsroom when that's happening? It's, <laughs> it's a very active, noisy place. It's, it's cool. I like it. Um, and if I wouldn't have been in this business for 29 years if uh, I didn't like that kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah. And your job is to, well, before each newscast, code it. Right. So that then it goes on air when you push the, the buttons. Right. <laughs> You're like the DJ of the news. And that's a good way of putting it. I'm kind of like the DJ of the news. Yeah, we run an automated system now so that um, I, I pre-code what we're going to do in the control room so that all the cameras and all the music and uh, all the video plays in the right order. So that's how a, news ca a newscast comes out the other side. So then what happens? 
if you get the newscast in order, yeah. then at 3.59, some breaking news happens. Mm -hmm. And nothing that is in the first block of your show is valid right, right. anymore. Then, then what do you do? We have super secret magic that only directors know about. Oh, yeah. that is the skill yeah. you didn't mention earlier was yeah. the magic. <laughs> yeah, it's super secret magic. Thing. <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and we take care of it. We have there are things we can do in the booth that if we you're the have mafia, to. we take care of it. That's <laughs> <laughs> our super secret magic. <laughs> yeah, super secret magic. Ah. But there's you know, pixie dust and wands involved and stuff like that. Is that stressful or do you stay super calm? You're just like, oh, well, it's more breaking news. Uh, I'll explain this way: when you're training a director, one of the things you look for is uh, when that happens, when stuff hits the fan. Mm -hmm. uh, how do they do? You know, are they able to get through it, get past it, get around it, get around the obstacles? What's working, what's not? What do we have, what, what don't we have? And they're able to keep a level head about it, mostly. Yeah. There's sometimes, oh, you might not know this, because you're out no. of the field with, yeah, there's yelling involved. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's sometimes yelling involved. Sometimes. Between, so who's in the booth? Yeah. You have a director, a producer. A producer. And a prompter. prompter. Is that okay? But then in another room, we have a master control operator who makes sure all the live shots are in and where they need to be. And we have a camera operator because all of our studio cameras, although they're robotic, are controlled by a, a person who has joysticks and touch screens. <laughs> all the cameras in both studios plus all the other cameras that we have around the room are um, all controlled by one person sitting at a very complicated rig. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah, and then we have a person. You know, we have a person sitting up at feed point in the newsroom to make sure that all the video is in and everybody's lined up where they're supposed to be. It's a team effort. Yeah. It's a team. So when does the yelling happen? <laughs> <laughs> and are you like yelling at the producer, or you're just yelling at the the screens in general? Uh, sometimes <laughs> not the producer. We don't. You know, we try. Everyone is trying to get through whatever it is. We're all trying to get through it. Yeah. Although if somebody's not paying attention, I might raise my voice a little to get them to pay attention. Well, and that happens because yeah. you, for all the people out in the field or in the studio, for all the on-air people and the, the photogs, you're talking, the producer and director are both talking in our ears at various that times, That must be right? really interesting because you've got one earpiece and a lot of people got access to it. Yes. You have a lot of voices in your head, don't you, Cassidy? Well, yes, that, that's a, another issue for my, with my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's hard because yeah. I think everyone's voice sounds different uh -huh. through, I don't know if it's in a microphone or just through the earpiece or yeah. what, because sometimes, I mean, I have no idea who's directing the show. I'm like, okay, I think that's Paul's voice, but it could be Brian, uh, could be Chris, <laughs> could, <laughs> like, uh, I'll just assume, okay. So I never use anyone's name. I'll be right. like, hey, is someone there? Can someone hear me? Okay. So I don't want to get the wrong name. I'll be like, Paul, are right. you there? And then Brian's like, um... Excuse me. How dare you insult me? Yeah. You, say? you yeah. can't recognize my voice? Yeah. But so, what's the, is, are there different times when you sh hypothetically are talking versus the producer? Oh, it's complicated. Every shop's a little bit different as to who talks to the talent. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to generically call them <laughs> talent. Although you have great Thank talent. You. Thank you. Yeah, I I'm take gonna it say as a compliment. Okay. Um, we have it. It's just we've come up with our own way of doing things. Every shop's a little different, and it's just a matter of getting everybody ready to go. Stand by. Okay, you're about a minute out, 30 seconds out. Okay, you're next. Then you hear the anchors, and that's mm -hmm. when you know you're supposed to go. Right. Um, 
one way to think about it is the director is usually busy keeping the show on the air at that moment, so the producer or other people are getting the live people ready and making mm-hmm. sure everybody's ready, and then I just handle it while it's live. Yeah. Do people ever just not listen to you? Um, don't have to name names. I, I probably don't. You'd have to ask them. I don't know. I might talk a lot, and there may be some people that just turn me down. <laughs> I don't know. As long as you make your slot, I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> Whether and, you're listening or not, as long as you make your life slot. And it's really it's them that looks bad if they don't listen to you. If they're like not paying attention, you're going, stand by. You're like chatting, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then they, the camera comes yeah, to them. You're and, on. Yeah. No one knows that it, you know. That is one thing that I, I have never known is being in front of the camera all that much. Well, right now. It, all yes. that much. But, you know, like, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I have a little bit of luxury in that, in that what I do isn't necessarily seen by millions of people. Right, but right behind now. the scenes, if something goes bad on the air, it is all on you. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. As far uh, as the bosses, I mean... Yeah. I'm just trying to put pressure yeah. on you. <laughs> well, Have you ever wanted to be on air? Did you ever consider that part of the... Uh... Not really. No? No, not really. You're a musician. You've got, like, the performer in you. There's that... Um, that's a good point. Um, there's the edge of the stage. And the edge of the stage, then there's the audience. Um, I feel comfortable on stage as long as there's the edge of the stage. And I've got music in front of me, and I, I've I've got something to perform. Um, this is more I don't know. There's something different about it. It's um, a little more nerve-wracking. Well, you can't see the people. I guess if you have an audience, you can you can like gauge people's reaction immediately. Well, that's a good point because Maybe. you actually do get that when you're when you're when you're a musician, and you can you can feel the audience. You mm-hmm. can also feel when they're not quite with right. you. Right. <laughs> you can also feel when they're not quite with you. But you know, it's it's that is a great feeling. Mm-hmm. On stage, yeah. Yeah, no one no one sits and applauds you after your <laughs> live shot or oh, you directed the show live yeah. live applause. We should All have right. that just like sound effects just in the control room. So just for you, <laughs> a laugh track. Yeah, an applause track. Yeah, so like right. when you're yelling, there's just a laugh track. <laughs> it sound like a good. It would be like a good '80s sitcom in there. Yeah. Yeah, with the canned laughter and the canned oh, and you know we could have the doll moving. <laughs> Like could we just could just like hire somebody that's just their job is to run the the laugh track and the applause. Yeah. They could go like a live studio audience like like hold up the sign that says everyone applaud cheer. right now. Yeah, everybody cheer. <laughs> now you have this pile of props next I do. to you because you're also in charge of all of the archives. Right. At KGW. So right. what exactly does that mean? Uh the archives at KGW. KGW is a wonderful quirky station. Uh, because they never got rid of everything. <laughs> we, we think we are the only station in the country, one of the only stations in the country, that literally saved every story that we've ever put to tape or film since the day we went on the air. Which brings me to my first prop. Here oh my gosh. is the news, what the video that we used in the news from December 13th, 1956. This is the first reel um, of KGW film. Wow. That's the Can first. I touch it? Yeah. I... Just don't touch the film. You can touch that. I have to put it back wow. down. Wow. Yeah, so KGW has every story we've ever produced. Now, not, not every newscast. Mm-hmm. We didn't record newscasts. It was. So that's a story? This is a few stories. I see one, two, three, four splices in there. So, and most of it would be silent. 
you know, this is 1956. Yeah. Most of it's silent, and uh, it would be the, the anchor saying, there was an auto accident at such and such and such, and there's a big clunk, and then you'd see some grainy black and white film <laughs> while, the, while the anchor is talking, and then clunk, they get back to the anchor. The newscasts were only 15 minutes long once a day. They added a second newscast in the evening, and that's what this was. One newscast a day yeah. for 15, 15 minutes. minutes. I can't even imagine. I mean, most of us wouldn't have a job. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, I mean, have... this is back in the day when TV stations signed off at the end of the day. So they, they'd run their news report at the end of the day and turn, <laughs> turn the power then it's, off. There's nothing on? There's nothing on. Wow. There's nothing on until There's you know, no 6 infomercials. In the morning. No, no infomercials. Like... <laughs> it's just nothing or a test signal. Yeah. Wow. Ask your grandmother or grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Yeah. That's so interesting. So yeah, it's 1956. That's one of my, I, I bring that out only every once. You're very special. I only bring this I'm, out because I'm I, honored. That's uh, kept downstairs in the archives. So and if you can't you know, see it, if you're listening to the podcast, that's very small. It's a very small little right. roll of It's about five minutes. Tape. Five that's minutes five of minutes. film. Yeah. But then most of the other things sitting next to you are ginormous. Uh, ginormous. Compared um, to now we have a little... SD cards. <laughs> right, I know. The little tiny SD cards with 64 mega... I mean, good... Wow. Yeah. Okay, this is a 1968 film, for those people that can see. This is when Robert Kennedy was campaigning here in Oregon. This wow. is one of about four reels. We followed him for 30 days, and we have about two hours of the film of Robert Kennedy campaigning in Oregon. He lost the primary in 1968 here in Oregon. Um... But obviously, when you when you know our, our our folks then, this is not individual stories. This is raw film of him and his speeches and him on the train. They had a the Beaver Express took him down to Eugene and stuff. The Beaver Express. Yeah, and uh, we have uh, Robert Kennedy campaigning. Unfortunately, sadly, uh, I've got film of him getting on the airplane here in Portland after he had uh, lost, and he was flying down to L.A. and he was murdered three days later. Wow. So we have some of the last uh, film of his. And a, a few years ago, actually, when Obama was running the first time, one of Kennedy's sons was here, Max Kennedy, was here in Portland, and we interviewed him. Uh, Joe Donlin interviewed him. And we showed him the speeches. Because a lot of this film had never been seen. Oh, my gosh. Because we'd shot it, we'd processed it, we aired some of it, but then he was murdered. Three days later? Three days later. So we showed Max Kennedy speeches that he'd never seen of his own dad. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then Joe Donlin did a story on that, which was really cool. So that's the kind of thing that I love about the archives and, and love about the stuff we have in the basement here is we can connect history that way. Mm-hmm. And having that continuous from the day we went on to today, uh, we're one of the rare, rare TV stations that can do that. And that's find so cool. There. Uh, this is a fun, quirky one, 1971. Read the side of that one. Save till D.B. Cooper caught. Um, this is a, a tape that when uh, when the hijacking happened and we everyone realized that this was going to be a big deal, but they thought it might only be like a month or two, they put all the important video on this tape in 1971 and put it on the shelf downstairs. That one has an exclamation point. Save till he is caught. Right. Handwritten. <laughs> yep. It's still down there. <laughs> still haven't found him. Wow. You know. 
Joel's kind well, of thing. Well, you got to follow it. Uh, it says save till he's caught. A big tape. This is the 1990 uh, um, Rose Parade. This looks like the Millennium Falcon or something. I know, huh? Doesn't it? It's cool. This is a one-inch tape. Uh, I won't open it up. But this one uh, was hosted by Tracy Barron, uh-huh. Pete Schulberg, and Robin Leach. That Robin Leach. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. So, yeah, we have all this stuff in the basement, these old cans of film. Whoa. With some that... cool stuff in there. Yeah. Yes. Let's see what's... Oh, wow. you know what this is? Oregon State College versus California, second half, 1957. Can you hear the sound effects in the microphones? Yeah. <laughs> this is made out of, it's like a, so we what act, old garbage cans are made I out of. I know, but the film is in Whoa. great shape. Wow. So this is the second half of the game with audio. And we have seasons and seasons and seasons of both, the, it was then Oregon State College, but you know the Beavers and the Ducks, and their games. We went down and actually filmed their games and then processed the film and we'd show it the next day. Wow. We have all this stuff. It's great. I love it. That's just crazy thinking about the whole process and timeline of getting something. Well, there's a reason why they used to say film at 11. Is, I mean, our instant world, where it literally live, instant. uh -uh. I mean, you shot the film, you had to come back. We had an actual film processing center in this building. They had to, you know, run it downstairs and process the film. It wasn't. Wow. Like, it would maybe be ready for the early news, but most likely the film was at 11. So if tomorrow something happened, not D.B. Cooper getting caught, because you would know exactly where that tape is, but something, I don't know, that was from 1964, and they got caught, or I don't know, something, how, how do you find that? Are you super organized in, the, in all the archives? I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not super organized, and the archive, the... the Three by five cards. Oh. I should have brought some of those up. We actually have boxes and boxes of three by five cards, all organized by year and topic. Wow. And actually, when Kyla Boshi did a story, a follow-up on a, a bombing that happened at Portland City Hall, I think it was back in the 70s off the top of my head, uh, he sent me an email, and I went down to the basement and found all the cards, which told me which cans, because the cans were all numbered, I went and pulled the cans and went to the transfer and transferred all it, and we actually had film of the aftermath of the bombing. So wow. he was then able to use that in his uh, story that we went back and looked at it again, part of one of his investigations. And does all this stuff, like when you see movies now and they try to make video look like it's old film from 60 yeah. years ago, like if you put that on the air, does it look like that? Does it have like a vintage Oh, Obviously yeah. it's not high definition <laughs> right no it's it looks old it's it has that authentic look that's so it's cool. great uh, especially the really old stuff especially the old stuff so segue this is my <laughs> segue too you have a daughter so, i have a daughter and so do you like film a lot of stuff do you have all of her you know home videos from a kid archived in your house <laughs> You know, I, I have to say that, yes, I'm a, I'm a parent of the digital, digital generation. Um, we all, all of our kids are the most over-documented lives. <laughs> Seriously. I mean. That's awesome. I, I mean, I, I think I, I got a new computer and I just grabbed all the still pictures and transferred them to the new drive so I could use them. There were over 10,000 images. You know, like, 
she's only 12. <laughs> I mean, really, am I ma are they, wow. And you, but you do, you think about it, you're, you know, you go camping and click, 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 snap, 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 video, video, video. Yeah. And it piles up. That's I've so only got cool. one kid. I, I can't imagine for people <laughs> that have four kids unless it just, like the fourth kid probably maybe doesn't have any, like parents are tired. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, by the time I have kids, oh, yeah. they're going to, by the time they like get to be old enough where they realize how many pictures their mother is taking of them, it's going to be, yeah. oh, it's going to be a lot. I do have to say that as we are parents of the digital generation, these kids also are very aware when we're pointing a camera at them and I'll get the handle on <laughs> And I'll get dad, dad. I thought you were going to say dad. she takes the camera and she's like, I'll just take a selfie, dad. Oh, well, no, that happens a lot. Does she have a selfie stick? She, no. Oh. <laughs> Shh. I don't want her to have she, a selfie stick. Oh. Well, I hope no. she is listening to the podcast. <laughs> no, you told me that she is your best friend, which she's is adorable and the best friend. description. Yeah. What kind of like activities do you guys do together? Do you go hiking? Um, yeah, I mean, we just went camping on the coast a couple yeah. weeks ago. We went down to Beverly Beach State Park, one of our favorite places to camp. Uh, it's right on the beach, but it's set in off, the, you know, off into the woods. So we had one of those gorgeous tent sites. We're, we're back in the trees. It's just stunning. Oregon is stunning. There's just nothing about it. Uh, but then you can go right out on the water. Um, it was her first experience with some pretty serious storms rolling in while we're, while we're camping. So there was some boredom in the tent. We have a big tent. You know, so we could set up a table and chairs in the tent. Wow. But she was still like, oh, gosh, Dad. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? My phone's dead. Oh, that light oh. went out. The one you said was going to go out. I promised you. Yep. Usually in the podcast, this one light, we have three lights on us. One goes out, mm. and then it will come back, will come on, back on in about 10 minutes. See, this is the kind of thing as a director just bugs me. Right? Well, you know, we've put in requests for a new light. I don't know what the deal is. It's every single time, and it comes back on. Now, if we were in the control room and a light went out on talent, that's when you'd hear the urgent voice. Oh. I need an engineer to camp for Lights out. I mean, it's the urgent voice. I'm not yelling. Yeah. Ten seconds later, <laughs> if, they're, if somebody's not scrambling. It. Because, I mean, you know, I want people on TV to look great. We appreciate that. Yeah. We do too. When I'm out in the field, we don't have that benefit voice. of all the lights. Yeah, Maybe like the urgent, urgent voice. voice. Urgent voice. I'm going to try to pay attention in my earpiece when you have the urgent voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talked about playing in an orchestra. Yeah. But you said you actually played with an orchestra or worked with an orchestra of your mom's students. That was a great event. Um, my mom's a music teacher, a pianist, teaches chamber music. Uh, and teaches chamber music programs. Uh, and when she turned 75, uh, she threw a party, basically, uh, to celebrate. And uh, she played the Brahms Second Piano Concerto and put out the word. And the, about 75 former students, current students, plus all of her family, I was the concert master. My sister was the uh, cello is a cellist, and she was the principal cellist. My what does brother, concert master mean? First chair. Okay. Just running, kind of running. This is not an official thing, but big deal. Not this. One. Uh, my brother plays bass. His daughter oh plays cello. She was in there. But anyway, my mom played the the second movement of the piano concerto as part of a program with a with a whole orchestra of family and students current and former and it was glorious it was wonderful that's so 75 cool. she was 75 
I'm in awe of her. That's awesome. I know, huh? So you don't need a KGW band. You've already got the family band together. <laughs> Is there a name yeah. for your family band? Um, we used to call ourselves the Laburn Trio, I think. My mom would have to correct me. She might be watching now. She's actually pretty Facebook savvy. Is she? Yeah, she is. I hope she's watching us. I hope she's watching too. Because if you don't know, we now are live streaming on yeah. Facebook on the KGW Facebook page. Right. When we do the podcast, you can tune in and ask your questions. So some right. people are watching are right now. That's awesome. People, we are getting some questions from people. Everyone says right. we don't like him. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> They're very nice. <laughs> Uh, you've also played in pit orchestra for Broadway shows? Yeah, like when Broadway shows would tour through. When I was in Michigan, Kalamazoo, Michigan, like when shows would come through and they needed an orchestra or they needed a few other players. Also, in college, our shows, I would play pit for. That's cool. That's cool. I love that. I was the guy in the pit. They always joked. I was the guy in the pit. Here's the conductor. There's the stage. I'd have my back <laughs> up against the wall watching the show playing. <laughs> You know, maybe by about the 38,000th rehearsal, you know the show. You know yeah. the music. So I'm just watching. I just loved it. Did you ever want to just go up on stage and start singing and dancing? Not that good. Oh. Not good at the singing and dancing part. But you wanted to. You just... It would be fun. Yeah. I was in one production of Oklahoma as one of those guys that was in the one, like the group that danced for like two seconds. Yes. Yeah, that. That's I did that once. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have a favorite musical since you've... Sounds like you've seen Gypsy a lot of was them. Aw- Gypsy's awesome. I love, I love playing Gypsy. That, that's a great musical. Um, I, like, I like, of the ones I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, I can't, it's hard to like, pick a one day. I know. I'm sorry. I was going to say it's like picking your favorite child, but you have only have one to, child. Way, so. uh, my daughter knows every line of Hamilton. <gasps> she knows every part. She's a great, she got a great voice. So from just oh, listening to the soundtrack? Listening to the soundtrack and stuff. Um, I bought her the big book that includes the whole backstory and the. And it's the coming to Portland. I know. She has absolutely given me directive that she needs <laughs> six tickets for her and her friends. Wow! Does that include you? <laughs> I don't know what her plans are. Well, she'll be probably be thirteen. It's I think it's coming next year, next so she'll, year, be 13, she'll be thirteen. You know. Am I gonna? You can tell me. I mean. You were a teenage girl once. I was. Yeah. Like last year. Not no, just kidding. Not too long ago. Not too long ago. I'll give that to you. Okay. Am I going to be excluded? Well, if you, like, have you guys gone to musicals? Yes. Her whole childhood? Then yeah, I yeah. would think, for, I probably would have brought my mom. Like, I used to go to musicals with her all the time. Okay. So. Yeah. But I remember uh, one time my parent, my we gave Christina Aguilera tickets to one of my friends for her birthday. Because... Nice friend. I know. I was <laughs> I was so mad. Generous. I did not get to go, but my friend got to choose. She was, we were probably like 10 or 11. Right. She got to choose an adult chaperone to bring with her. So it could have been a parent, right. whatever. She chose my mom. So then my mom got to go. They met Christine Aguilera. Wow. I'm like, that's not fair. You can't bring my mom. Just rub it in my face. So. But you didn't get to if go? If your daughter's listening, do not choose someone else's parent. No, I didn't get to go, but I, there's still a picture of my mom and Christina Aguilera and my friend Zoe. You're going to hold on to that one for a while, In my parents' aren't you? house. You're going to hang on to that one for a while, aren't you? You know, it's just, just a sad moment. I know. It's okay. Sometime Christina Aguilera will come through Portland and we'll all make sure I get to interview her. So that's where the, 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 the get was much bigger than the give. I mean, you, yeah. like you gave the, oh, I'm going to be a great, and I'm going to give you the tickets, and then wow. I know. You get a I return. Know. I'm just kidding. I think she just moved to Portland, It'll actually. It'll come around. So. Karma will come around. <laughs> we'll hang out. Uh, you also mentioned you love bourbon, scotch, and food. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any favorites? Because I did a little video, which you know, a couple weeks ago yeah. about National Bourbon Day. And so people were asking in the comments, oh, what are your favorites? And I don't really have a good answer because I don't have, I like bourbon, but I don't know all of them. Um, I don't spend money on a lot, you know, like the nice ones. Right. Like, and I'm, I don't want to, well, they're all really good. And we're in one of those towns where you can go into it, you know, go into a bar that specializes in bourbon and try a lot of them and it's just wild to try them. Um, uh, I'm kind of into rye's right now to add to the list. Oh. Michter's rye is my new kind of go-to. But uh, Knob Creek bourbon, very good, just to always have. It's kind of good, yeah. So many things, rice, so bourbons. We'll whiskey, have to go on a tasting. That sounds great. You know, we get some podcast couple... is over. <laughs> yeah, right now, right we before the four o'clock news. news. That'll to. be a good. That'll be a good four o'clock news. I think we'd all tune in for that one. <laughs> what kind yeah. of? Do you pair your foods? If you like foods a lot, do you pair them with bourbons and scotches and uh, rice? A branch up a north. I think it's north or is it northeast? Anyway, they do a great job of pairing bourbons with food because they've got a great kitchen. And a great bourbon selection and beer selection. Oh. So, like, they'll do pairings. I usually try to trust the people who are making the food to tell me what bourbons are going to go with it, because it can be really I, I, I'm shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. Get it? Yeah. Do there. <laughs> Sorry. Don't want to be doing shots in the dark. That sounds, yeah. that sounds scary. Okay, now we have a few questions from the social media sphere. The first, you're from Twitter. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who this one's from. Well, okay. Have you been looking at your Twitter mentions in the I last saw 24 hours? One. From a producer? Uh, T. Brad. Oh, dang it. I was going to keep it anonymous. Uh, who's your favorite producer? <laughs> well, as he chimed in today, him. <laughs> oh, we didn't even... He said, this is what Travis Worsewich, who was on the podcast a while ago, said, ask yeah. who his favorite producer is, then ask who his second producer is, all the way until he mentions me. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag selfish. So we only had to ask once. Yeah, yeah. Good answer. He's a good guy. Uh, Peter at JOL Vlog says, is there a news story that caught you completely off guard that you had no idea how to proceed? I could go a bunch of different ways. That, that happens a lot, actually, because as a director, I might not know every story before it hits air. So I'm like the first viewer in the booth. Um, I'm one of, the, you know, I, I react just like you do at home. Uh -huh. um, and there are some stories where they'll take a turn and it'll be just a, you know, a heart-rending turn or a really cool thing will happen. Joey Harrington had that story about the kids at the school. I'm going to total, I don't get the nouns, but the kids at the school who painted the bench, the friendship bench. Oh, yep. Right. And they had the kid sitting on the bench explaining why it was important to do this for the other kids. And they're just like, oh, that's Aww. great. Um, there were also moments on TV. Um, I, you know, I was on, I was in the chair. Oh, well, that's going to go outside. I was in the chair on 9-11. Oh, wow. The morning show. And so that was a tough day. You know, so we watched the second plane hit. You know, Brenda Braxton and I, the team. Oh, That my was a tough day. It was a terrible tough day. And uh, to, you know, because we're so immersed in everything we do here. Um, important stories, I think, are the ones that, you know, crime is crime. Big stories are big stories, national stories are national stories, but when you see our reporters like, you know, Kathy Marshall goes out and talks to amazing people, Tracy Berry goes out and talks to amazing people, you know, the pe when you go out to this community and you see what people are doing, sometimes very simple things, 
uh, those are the stories that over time you start to realize those, those are the stories that make a difference. Mm -hmm. We're not creating that. We're just documenting what's there. And those are the stories that I find have the greatest value. And I probably talked way over the purpose of the question. I hope I answered it. No, I let love me know, it. Though. Let me know. You know, let me know if you, I'm on Twitter. You are. KGW, KGW Paul. Paul. Yeah. Tweet him. Yeah. That, no, that was a very good answer. And it covered all the, the very broad right. spectrum. Uh, Steel at Blue Snowy Mountains says he feels that the four o'clock and six o'clock newscasts have a very different feel. So do you prefer one over the other? Um, they're both good for what they are. Four o'clock news is a little more human interest. There is news to it. Uh, it is the first uh, shot of the news in the afternoon, so you, know, you kind of get your headlines for what's happening in the community. But also, um, we've got good local feature stories and a lot, a little more loose, a little more interactive, a little more chat between you and Kathy and um, whoever else is on the desk. Um, the six o'clock news is a, is a newscaster record, and, that's, and is that a half hour? The six, well, or, I, I take the first half hour, another director takes the second okay. half hour. It is a one-hour program mm -hmm. from six to seven. That's kind of the newscaster record for our, our city. You'll find us putting stories in there that sometimes you look at and go, okay, why was that in there? But it's actually like a newscaster record. That now goes down into the archive. And in 10 oh. years from now, if you need to know that something happened at City Hall, this little nuance happened, we can look it up, like the police, the new police chief that took over yesterday. That is all documented in, I think, Pat Doris did the story yesterday. Mm -hmm. And now we know, and that's actually written out, the video is filed, and it goes down into the archive so that in 10 years, we can go back and look that up and see historically what happened with the changing of the guard at the at City Hall and the... With the police, and that's specifically the six o'clock news. So, well, six o'clock news. All of our newscasts are newscasts, right? Period. You know, uh, the six o'clock news is kind of the the news of the day locally. Um, our later news tends to have more perspective, but also a lot more national stuff that's been happening in the few hours after. Yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna have to pay more attention to the six o'clock. Usually, <laughs> usually we're on our way, like setting up for the seven o'clock live shot. So. I have no idea. That's oh, why right. I was you like, is it a scrambling. half hour show? Is it an hour show? <laughs> I have to completely defer to you guys in the field because, you know, it's like when we have huge breaking news like storm coverage, they bring pizza in here, which is great because we're on the air for 10 hours. But I'm in a warm place. Yeah. We get pizza delivered. Right. You guys are out there scrambling from, you know, the ice field on 26 out to Troutdale where the wind's blowing 600 miles an hour. And, and you know, you're suffering out there. Which usually is not what I have so, to do, so I can't, you know, take credit like, oh, thank you for your sympathy. That's normally not what I have to do. <laughs> so I, I defer. Your sister commented, Laura. Oh, my sister. So I've been in the control room with my big brother Paul working. It's awesome to see the excitement. <laughs> so not a question, but just wanted to put it in there. Hi, Laura. Hi, Laura. Laura's the cellist. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. I hope you're playing us a soundtrack. And there comes the light back on. I told you it would come back it on. It'll come back on 10 minutes later. Uh, like Steve Hendricks wants to know, what is the career path to be a news director? Like, how do you get started? If you, I mean, in your case, you just got thrown into it. I, I bet you 90% of it's on the job. Um, you know, uh, there are a few colleges that have the technical. Bates up in the, Washington has the technical training. Um, more so now, since we're in an automated world, um, you get the automated training either usually 
by going and working for a TV station and learning it, you know, mm -hmm. and getting a job in a secondary position and, and picking it up, learning it, getting trained. Some, some companies, if you, get, if you have proficiency in other areas of broadcast or media or anything, they can bring you in and, and train you up. Uh, Rob St. Helen wants to know, after 22 years, who is your favorite person you've worked with? You don't have to say me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's Cassidy. Oh, thank you. Let what a surprise. Um, I know. I don't know how, how, you choose, how you choose an answer on this. You don't know. No, I'm going to go old school on you. Yeah. See, I think go old, go old school. school Someone who's not um, here anymore is I got the way the, to go. I got the great, no, the great honor to work with Jack Appel. Oh. Jack Appel. Jack Appel was the meteorologist here forever, and he signed on when the station signed on in 1956, and he worked through into the 80s. How old was he when he started? Yeah. Like very young? Not like young for being you know, like 20 in his something. 20s? Yeah, 20 something. But, um, but he also was an incredible person. If you ever want to know a little bit of local history, he landed at Normandy. He fought Battle of the Bulge. He was, you know, with the troops as they. Uh, liberated Dachau, and then he came back, got a job with the Weather Service, TV station, one in the air, came over here, worked for us, and was kind of the meteorologist of record for this community for years and years and years. He was a great guy. Great guy. He, he had a variation of um, ALS. He was in a wheelchair the last number of years of his life. Wow. Still came to work. Still worked. Still went on the air. Brought it. Great guy. That's awesome. Is there yeah. anything on YouTube? Is there any archived footage that you've put on the internet? Um, I, I produced a part of the goodbye tape for him, goodbye special that we did for him, and that might, I don't know, might still be up on YouTube. If not, I tell you what, oh. I'm the archive guy. I'll put it up there. Tweet might him. It take me a few days, <laughs> but I'll get it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn Collins-Price wants to know if you plan on doing any undercover journalism stories. Oh. That's not my realm. But KGW does have an investigative unit, <laughs> K, uh, Kyle Aboshi. Yeah, but he doesn't go undercover. Like, well, we don't know that yet. That's true. It'll be like, <laughs> for the past five years, I've been undercover right. at a food truck. <laughs> I tell you one thing. Um, the investigative unit is not secretive, but they're very careful with their facts, and they're very careful about what they're doing. A lot of us in the room don't know until it goes to air, until like the day it's about to go to air. Right. And that's really cool. Because all of a sudden, Kyle will be like, I spent three months underground with this. And you're like, wow, that's cool. We did that. We did that. You know, it's cool. Yeah. But no, I, I have no idea. I'm a technical guy. Yeah. Well, maybe someday. We'll send you undercover with like a, an orchestra. We'll yeah. send you undercover with the cast of Hamilton. <laughs> touring oh, the country. You land that for me? Oh, they see that would be like the Christina Aguilera thing. Like, did you help land that? <laughs> oh, for I'm me coming then... with you. Oh, okay. I'll I'll shoot Absolutely. behind the scenes. Oh yeah, well, I'll do right. like a behind the scenes. These vlog. days, we each go with 16 cameras and we shoot everything. Right? We do. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the final three questions of the okay. podcast are: Would you rather questions that I have come up with? First one: Would you rather? I've asked a couple of producers this a couple minutes before the show. You've coded everything in. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it's gone. Not breaking news. Just. Just everything is gone. You mean like the system crashes? Yeah, system it's crashes. Okay, okay. Or, or? So I guess maybe you'll choose that one. Or <laughs> tomorrow you wake up and all of the uh, pictures of your daughter have disappeared. No, they're, they're just gone. I have to choose which one happens? Yeah. Oh, definitely the system crashing here. Okay, fine. Oh, anybody touches the, my daughter. What if picture? the archives disappear or your, all, all the videos and pictures of your daughter disappear? 
Oh, now that's unfair. <laughs> saw all the color rush out of your like, face. There's my family, and then there's everybody else's history. And it's like, oh, I can't do that to it's everybody It's like, um, do you watch Homeland? Yeah, or, any, or like 24, it's all those shows. It's like, well, we've got yeah. this hostage that I'm in love with, but oh, they always got to choose you or the that, president. Yeah, exactly. It's the most impossible drama moment. But that's why it's Would You Rather. Don't yeah. worry, I'm not going to go burn whichever one you don't choose. Whichever one I'm going to watch you now. They no. don't let me have a lighter in here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Which one did you choose? We're, we're avoiding the question? Yes, I am. <laughs> I chose C. Option Fine. C. Just because... If you, the options that are presented to you in your life aren't good, you find another one. Life lessons from Paul Kenny. Yeah. A or you B. can direct your C. life. I'm only letting you get away with this because technically you could really make me look bad on air in, um, <laughs> in a little bit. what's going to happen is like anything that happens to Cassidy and Mel, they're going to... It's, all, it's always Paul. It'll be this battalion of people. If I say something and, wrong... It's Paul. <laughs> He's feeding me lines in my That's ear funny. like, Cassidy, just like fumble your words That's now. Uh, just kidding. That's all me. Next one. Would yes. you, wait, what was I just going to say? Oh, would you rather, we asked uh, producer Mike Wadsworth this one a couple weeks ago. Okay. Would you rather have to produce a 24-hour newscast or be locked in, or direct a 24-hour newscast or be locked in the control room for 12 hours? Nothing's happening. Like there's no... There's no newscast, but no one's coming in there. You don't have any food. You're stuck. <laughs> I'll direct a 24-hour newscast. Oh. Absolutely. Have you had to, is that is that a thing that you've had to do? Uh, like super, I guess, really yeah, long Yeah, 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 news? yeah. Um, we had uh, a number of, uh, there have been a number of times when I've been in the chair, we usually try to give each other breaks. If we've got a couple of people here, we tr but like I think the longest I've gone is seven and a half, eight hours. Wow. Um, and that's just breaking news coverage of a storm. That, and in Michigan, there were, we'd have tornado warnings. And uh, you, know, you go on. And if you're the only person there, you're on. Until somebody managed just to make their way in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we can be on the air a long time. Just remember that next time you're sitting there and you, you turn us on and like there's storm coverage and then you come back six hours later, you go and do stuff, go have breakfast, and you come back and you're still on. There are a bunch of us sitting here in the chair. Yeah. Maybe with a pizza break at some point Maybe after like six hours yeah. of directing newscasts. Yeah. And usually I'd reap the benefits of that because on breaking news days I'll have less to do. And then they'll be like, pizza! I'm like, okay, <laughs> I deserve this. <laughs> Just kidding, I don't take any. The final would you rather, we'll give you like a nice one on this okay. one. Okay. Would you rather get to actually start a family band and come out with an album or when Hamilton comes to Portland have a guest appearance? In Hamilton, the musical. Oh, wow. <laughs> huh. Whichever one you choose is going to happen. We will make it. <laughs> make it happen? <laughs> oh, Hamilton. I wish. Put oh, me really? on stage, yeah. Would you? Oh, but that would be like your daughter. Would she, oh, she would be mad. Cause, cause oh, no, she'd, she'd be so proud. <laughs> she'd be so proud. Mostly, she'd be super happy because if I'm on stage, that means I can get her backstage. Oh, I was going to say free yeah. tickets. Yep. Yeah. Well, that is the final question, but I forgot to mention earlier that you are Emmy Award-winning director, so we had to mention that. How do you, is there an actual Emmy just for directing specifically? This was for something I helped produce and direct, and it was a special that we produced here at KGW. Always a team effort here. Amazing. Um, yeah. So combined, we have won an Emmy. <laughs> the people in this room have won an Emmy. Well, thank you so much for being on the That's podcast. It? Yes. Do you have any final words? You've been giving great advice. Well, I think we should, you know, 
get a couple of drinks in front of us. I, lemon, lemonade, iced great. tea, we can start there and just keep talking. Broad Hill on Sunrise this morning was saying that there won't be a lemonade crisis on the 4th of July, okay. like there was last year, to which we all responded, there was a lemonade crisis on the 4th of July last year? I guess just because it was so hot out? I guess so. I guess it's his way of saying, yeah. No lemonade crisis. Rod's awesome. I like it. So we'll go have some lemonade. That's it? That's the podcast? Some bourbon. That is. That's all. And now you, I know. I know. That's awesome. It's well, gone so quickly. thank you for so having me. Thank you for being on the podcast, and thank you everyone for listening or watching. Every Friday you can find this episode on SoundCloud and iTunes, the video version on KGW.com and on YouTube, and you can always tweet me at Cassidy Quinn with the hashtag StationBreakKGW if you have a suggestion of who should be on the podcast next or a question you want to ask them. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. How do you remember all that? You know, I don't That's know. That's a lot to read. It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Bye, guys. Yay!